Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Benny J. And yo, yo, it's your boy, Young Cousin Dirty Dozen, in the building. And this is Internal Explosion, the podcast, episode 12. Save. So you're probably wondering, why do we have a Save the Dolphins hat today? Well, I'll tell you. We're going to be talking about how God, much like a dolphin we might have known if we grew up in the 80s, or earlier, named Flipper, came onto the scene. Now, Jesus is no dolphin, but much like Flipper, with at least the name, he takes the script that we have and flips it on its head. And when he does that, everything changes for the better, if we're obedient, if we're able to be humbled. The crazy thing is, sometimes it takes a while to become humble. Sanctification for some of us, the process of being set apart for God's good work and purposes, it takes a while to develop in a person. So this is going to be an episode where we discuss our experiences with God through Jesus, developing us as humans, developing us as spirit-filled believers. And what's wildly magnificent about this is only God could have created these testimonies these storylines of how we've been shaped by him. It's all by his love and grace and his mercy, which always is mind blowing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this just because when we, when we talk about God and we have been talking about God for 11 episodes prior to this, we always talk about creating a relationship, forging a relationship, seeking God. And I, I imagine that for some of you, you may question, well, what, what does that look like? How can I seek something that I don't see? How has my life changed? How do I know that my relationship is strong enough? What does it look like? What's the formula? There are so many questions. And so, like my brother said, that's one of the reasons why we want to share about our, our journey. And it's our continually evolving journey mm -hmm. um, that has brought us to this point and has changed our lives and, you know, literally flipped the script on our, our lives. Flipper. That's what they called them. So, dude, I don't, I don't know how you want to do this. Um, do you want me to jump in? You want to jump in? I mean, we're really doing this real time. I'll go straight in, bro. I'm going to be like Flipper and make a big splash. All right, splash it up, my dude. So let's get in. Here's the deal. And I say that as though, like, you're a part of the deal. If you feel that way, cool, because this is going to be it's going to be an interesting ride. I wouldn't say that my testimony is filled with wild debauchery and heinous criminal activity and all kinds of things that people would typically associate with sin and evil if they were to think of sin and evil. My testimony is much more. I was self-destructive and out of that self-destructive behavior came some destruction toward other people because I was highly volatile on the inside and everything that was going on in my heart was coming out of my mouth without any inhibition. I had, I had no hesitation to say something that could have been taken so offensively, but even beyond offensively could be so harmful to other people. So let's go all the way back. And this dovetails with the no cap episode that I just did with Cliff uh, about the pornographic death and rebirth because most of my testimony revolves around 
I, I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say most of it, but a good bit of it revolves around uh, sexual sin, where I had a really difficult time breaking away from the urges that I had uh, regarding anything sexual. So I, and on the last episode of, of No Cap, I talked about how the sexual sin was constantly buzzing inside of me. All I wanted to do after I was opened up to my sexuality, which started when I was five, five years old, I had, a, there, was, there was a young girl who was being babysat by my mother and was introduced to my brother and I at age five. What happened to us there was we were introduced to all kinds of sexual um, activities, things that this girl had introduced to us. Now, by no means is it her fault. She was younger than we were. She was only like four years old, which is a terrible thing. But bringing that into our lives opened up something in us that was never meant to be opened in a child. Something we're hearing a ton about in our culture right now, where, where, where people are suggesting that it's okay to allow little children to make decisions about their own sexuality. It blows my mind to think about that because I know what that does to a person because I know what it did to me and I know what it did to this girl and my brother. Without going into too much detail about anyone else, I'm going to stick to me. This basically created a space in my mind and heart where all I did was objectify women. All they were to me after a while was a sexual outlet. Oh, wow. Look at this girl. Oh, wow. I wonder what it would be like to engage in this activity with her. I wonder what it'd be like with this girl. Over time, as a child where you don't have the understanding, the inhibition, the wisdom, and in my case, the guidance from my authority figures, over time, you you just develop hardened patterns in your mind and your heart that permeate your whole life. My whole lifestyle was this. So I couldn't escape it no matter how hard I thought it through, no matter how much I struggled against the urges to say no to my body. I just wanted to go in that direction. So this went on, goodness, till I was probably eight or nine. I was already in that, in that thinking process or that reaction process, really, from the trauma of this. I had been shamed multiple times throughout that, that storyline. And in the shame of it made it even worse. I, I was sitting with my shame and thinking, how do I escape this terrible feeling? Well, eventually that turned into pornography. So I'd feel bad and then I would go and look for pornography because that's the way that I would, that's the way that I would try to placate myself. I would try to calm myself through the use of something else and, and porn became that extension. So what, what this did to me was it started to really hardwire my brain to always seek sexual gratification when I would get stressed. And I was an anxious person to begin with because everything going on in my household was all rooted in worry and fear. And there wasn't a lot of love going around. There was some. Praise God. I was very thankful to have the love that I did get from many people in the family who were trying to help. And it it was helpful. And I'm thankful to all of you who did what you could to try to safeguard me from what was going on in life. But going back to the, the pornography piece... It was at 15 years old that we got the internet and our first computer. 
And once that entered into my life, on top of it, it was placed in our bedroom. Mm. (laughs) My parents, my mom didn't like this, but my dad had allowed us to have it up on our countertop that we had built up in our bedroom. And I was allowed to keep the door closed. Mm. And let me tell you, it built a private fantasy montage for me in my mind. It just never ended. It was scene after scene, building up, uh, basically calcifying my mind with pornographic images because all that stuff becomes hard and fast in your thoughts once it's reinforced as often as it was for me. It wasn't until I was in my early 20s, after years of struggling, wondering if I was ever going to be able to escape the clutches of this pornographic stuff, I thought, man, how am I ever going to get out of here? And God tells me that those who are sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What do I do? How do I get the heck out of here? I meet my buddy Cliff. Again, no cap, episode three. And we start talking about the porn stuff. And I tell him, bro, I need help. I can't stop. You know, it was so bad that at 19, I actually joined a, it was called Faithful and True. And it was more or less a sexual purity group. And I remember all the people in that group were sharing things about their lives that seemed to me at the time, infinitely worse than my struggle with stopping porn. And I remember thinking, oh, well, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Maybe my sex addiction or sex, my, my compulsion towards sexual um, gratification wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But then because I am the way I am and I have an incredibly strong conscience, I thought about it more and realized, oh my goodness, I don't care what other people do. This is killing me inside. I can't get away from it. This is my problem. I'm not to compare myself to what other people are doing and where they're struggling. And I learned that pretty young, which was a good thing because I didn't want to have to try to justify my own behavior by way of contrasting with others' behaviors. It didn't make sense to me. I had to be fixed for me, for my relationship with God to have restoration, to be regenerated. So at 21, I meet Cliff. We're hanging out in the dorm. He leaves for a while. I look at some porn. He comes back. He says to me, hey, how's it going? I look at him. I said, well, dude, I messed up again. He goes, pull it up. I said, bro, really? You want want me to pull up the video? He's like, yeah, right now. I pull up the video and we proceed to watch three minutes and 48 seconds of content together. And let me tell you, it blew up my spot. Literally like it it was like, it was like a nuclear bomb going off in the water. And you just see this, this cloud, this big old mushroom cloud pop up in my life. It, It probably looked like that coming out of my head and my ears. And I realized that I was no longer in the shadows anymore because God through cliff exposed me by allowing the light in cliff to cast out the shadow that I was living in. I had held on to that so tightly for so long. I got actually like most Christian men, I've noticed the trend here. There's a tendency to talk about it in an outright way where we're all honest about our, our, our usage, but we're not open to that level of personal exposure. It's like we, we talk about it in other spaces, but that secret space, it's ours. We just haven't recognized yet that that space is not for us to hold. 
because we're supposed to be children of light. That's what we are in Christ. So standing in that, staying in that shadowy existence, it literally will kill your soul. You'll be sinning against your own body and you'll be hiding from your shame and guilt. Get it out there however you have to. I'm not, like Cliff and I said last episode of No Cap, there's no rhyme or reason to why Cliff chose to do what he did within his own rationale. He felt the Lord move and explained to him clearly, you need to do this right now. So he did it. And I thank God every day, 17 years now, that Cliff chose to be obedient in that moment because it changed my entire life. And if you notice, I'm not real... I'm not real zealous or like trying to trying to appeal to you all with an exuberance of of overexcitement. I'm excited about what happened to me. It blesses me. It changed my entire life. It changed my heart. But this isn't about sensationalism here between Chris and I and you. We're here to give a message. We want you to see there is a sober mindedness that has come with the change that God has made in my life. And I know the same with Chris. It shakes you up, it breaks you down, but it gives you a new foundation to land on. That foundation is Jesus and all of the different, all of the different examples, the model that he gave for us to follow. We're to follow those things very carefully. If we get, if we get reckless with how we follow after Christ and we start to get loose and we start to make way for maybe a little too much curiosity to take us back toward our flesh and our urges, we always have, we always risk stumbling back into our old ways. That's not what God has for you. God wants you to stay obedient, humble, and stick close to him. And that takes a lot of discipline. For me, this is going to be the last thought I have for at least this part of my testimony. I want Chris to jump in here and, and break it down for himself. One of the greatest statements that God has ever spoken to my heart directly was be still for I am God. I have, I have heard and seen that in my heart over six times now. It's at least six, if not seven or eight, but what I'm recalling right now, it's about, it's about six. The first time I heard be still, I had just messed around with this girl. I made horrible decisions to do some things that were, sexually sinful, borderline fornication. Thank God it wasn't. And I ran off into the wilderness after this had happened. Literally, I just, I ran off distraught, broken up in my heart so bad because I knew what I did was wrong. I go up to the top of this, this mountain area. I lay down on a bench and it was a beautiful day. All the, cl- all the clouds were nice and fluffy, very bright, as I'm laying down, I kind of drift off. It was almost like a dissociative moment. I see the clouds come together. Almost if you do like a time lapse on your phone, they came together so fast, there was no way the clouds were moving that quickly. And out of nowhere, I see what looks like white Jesus. <laughs> and I say white Jesus because to be fair, that was the Jesus I grew up with. That was the, that was the representation physical representation image of him that I got used to seeing. So that's what, that's what resonated with me about it was, I was like, yo, that's the Jesus face that I think I know. 
And as I see this face form in the clouds, I hear in my being, not audibly, but it sure felt audible, but it wasn't outside. It was inside me. All I heard was be still. Oh my goodness. It shook my whole world. And it changed me. It changed me forever because I realized over the years after and other incidences where I was behaving sexually immoral prior to marriage. At one time I messed around and I hit a stop sign, panicked. I was panic driving because I felt so guilty of what I had done. I end up missing that there was a stop sign, hitting the brakes and slide, hitting gravel and sliding and, and hitting the stop sign. And I look up and I see stop and I literally hear again, be still. And I'm like, God, stop playing. Mm. And at the same time, I'm like, no, I think, Ben, you got to stop playing. You're playing too much. And you're, you're running after all of the things you think are going to bring you fulfillment and satisfaction. All the while you keep talking about Jesus, you know this is truth, but you haven't actually started acting it out yet as though you believe it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Fast forward, this be still concept just keeps coming up. And after a while, I realize, oh my goodness, I can't be still because I have such an insecure type of attachment in me because of the way that I developed with my parents and other people in my life that betrayed my trust, who I trusted dearly. And after a while of being betrayed over and over again, you start to feel like you don't have the ability to trust people. But if you're like me, if you're a feeler, you desire so deeply, you long for the connection to be with people at that intimate, vulnerable level. And I just couldn't find it. And every time that I almost found it, I'd get scared and insecure about the relationship. And I'd start doing things to test the relationship to see if it was a scam because I didn't want to get fooled again. I hated the feeling I got when I would be betrayed all over again. And at the same time as, as I'm being betrayed, I've always been a very honest and transparent person. I don't want to lie. I, I really don't lie. I have lied. And every time I lied, I, I ended up getting the worst outcomes. I mean, almost getting beat up by kids that I'd say stuff about. And then they'd confront me and I'd be like, I guess I need to tell the truth here and come clean. And I'd come clean and they'd look at me almost like, wow, this dude is kind of pathetic. I shouldn't beat him up. And it was, it's, it's funny, but telling the truth has always saved my life over and over again. And I've noticed when I tell the truth to other people, they also have an opportunity to find their lives. They actually have an opportunity to find the truth in Christ and potentially if I sow seeds of truth and light, there's a potential that God will do the growing work and create a harvest in those people's hearts. But we have to stand in that truth. So long story short, and I'm saying that as a summation type of statement here, God has taken my life, turned me around completely, broken me down to build me back up, filled me with understanding and wisdom, which is a constant pattern of growth. I stumble, I screw up, I make stupid decisions, I speak foolishly at times. God always brings it back around to bless. God always corrects me as his legitimate child to bring me back into the space I need to be, 
and to continue being the salt and light of this earth. That's why I'm here. I'm an ambassador of the King. I go out on his behalf to share the good news. And I would have never been able to do that with confidence had he not started that purification process in my heart and my mind. I'm being transformed in my mind and my thoughts day by day. I'm learning how to capture bad thoughts, my urges that want to lead me in the wrong direction, that make me want to go back to the old ways that are destructive and Satanistic. And I say Satanistic because they're opposing God. That's what I mean by that. God continuously pushes me in the right direction. I continuously submit myself to him. And I found purity in this. And God has given me strength to stand firm against my flesh and against the powers of this dark world. And it continues to grow. And I just want to say that all to encourage you to know that it's, it's this testimony that God's given me that reinforces the knowledge I have, the, the, the change I know is there in my heart and in my mind to keep me steadfast day by day. And it's just constantly growing. So I know that was a lot. I said a lot there. Literally 21 minutes of Ben. I'm going to flip it over here to my boy, Chris. I want Chris to now take the stage for as long as Chris desires, as long as... <laughs> Bro, you got the stage, and I'm just going to hear your testimony. Wow, man. Well, I'm, I'm loving this just to... Just, just to hear about you know, where you came from. And the, the thing about flipping the script is you came from someplace before the, the script was flipped. And so it was good just to, to hear about where you came from, the, the growth that was involved, the, the wrestling. I think that's so important to talk about because I've been to many churches where people talk about, I've arrived, I feel good, I'm great, life is good. But don't talk about the journey to get there. And sometimes that journey is rocky. And I think that some people may have this mystical conception of church because we don't talk about wrestling. We don't talk about how there are days where we may question like, God, are you are you still there? Are you listening? Am I good enough? That is a part of the journey, like yeah. wrestling. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the wrestling part. You said something there that reminded me of a video, and I'm going to make this quick. Mm -hmm. Because like, out of respect for my brother, I want to give him plenty of space to share what he wants to share. But this idea of going through the process versus the outcome, I just watched a video yesterday and it made incredible sense because it lined up very well with what I've experienced in my own life. The dopamine that we all seek, mm -hmm. a lot of times we end up wasting the dopamine surge on congratulating ourselves for getting to the space we wanted to get to. And then we end up settling there and thinking that that's the end of the line. The truth of the matter is, from what I've, what I've read, experienced, and this video, so take it for what it is, please look more into it because there's always more to the storyline than what I'm going to share right here as far as the science of it. It's the process that we go through that creates the consistent dopamine feedback loop, and it pushes us forward. So that when we get to these spaces where we've accomplished a goal, it's actually in continuously seeking an another goal to get to another space. It's the process itself that creates the dopamine feedback loop. And we need to stay in that process and never just settle in and say we've arrived and then wonder why the dopamine goes away. When we seek comfort, you're going to end up satiate. You're going to end up over satiating yourself 
with pleasures to find the dopamine because you have the resources now that you hit your you think you hit your mark don't stop pushing forward especially christians never stop expanding the kingdom of god yeah that's that's good. you know what? i'm i'm going to pivot from that Please. um that that's a perfect place to to start from uh so my my life was was good. <laughs> I'll say it. Life life is good. Praise God. Um just just a just a privileged person and I definitely am not shy about saying that I lived a privileged life. Um so I'll, let me set the the table a little bit. Um two parent household lived in a um upper middle class section of Philadelphia. Um my parents took me to church. So I grew up in church. Um and like I said a couple episodes ago, I come from a family of Baptist ministers, so there is that part of the church equation, and then I, I always went to our family church and went to Sunday school and then just, just raised up in the church. All that to say, God was always a part of the equation. And, you know, I could recite all the, all the things that you should recite in, in church to check the box off, mm-hmm. you know, going through all the rites and sacraments and things like that. Probably around high school, it started to become robotic, or at least I perceived it to be robotic. Like, about to eat, pray. I'm in trouble, pray. Do this, pray. Um, talk to God, okay, I'll pray. It was robotic. It was like rinse and repeat over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And I would think back, I'm like, I see people that at the time, it's like they're they're on fire for Christ. I'm like, what does that mean, on fire for Christ? Mm-hmm. And I realized that that wasn't me. It was so robotic. I would see people like close their eyes and and praise, and they would get so filled up with the spirit, and they they would like just go crazy, go bananas. And I kind of felt subpar. I'm like, that's not me. I'm I'm not that excited. I I know I have a, a relationship. At least I think I have a relationship, but it was just robotic. It was robotic. And then college happened. And college was the first time I lived outside of my family's home, away from all the safeties that they had built up for me. And for the first time, I'm exposed to people that are are drinking, smoking, Mm -hmm. sexing all over the place. Like All the vices to experience were happening real time in my sphere. But in the midst of that, and I love how you would talk about your testimony, I just felt this pull to be still, mm. be still in the midst of that. Mm. Um, sex is happening over there. Be still. They're drinking over there. Be still. Those folks are smoking. Be still. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all that, my identity started to form. And it, at first it started out as, I just want to be the contrarian. If you're drinking beer, I'm drinking milk. <laughs> if if you're sleeping with this chick, I'm going to go play ball. I'm going to do the opposite. But then is that the opposite? I not not really. <laughs> I love that I, though. If you're if you're That's chasing fantastic. the do- the dopamine high, yeah, yeah, it's the same. <laughs> I love that though. It's hot. But it's it was just one of those things where after a period of time, I started looking back and I'm like, there's something else that's keeping me grounded. And then I look back to tradition Mm. and the intentionality of my parents, making sure I was in Sunday school, uh, making sure I was in church. And every single Sunday at at Temple, I would always go to church. Mm -hmm. 
no matter how late I stayed up, we would stay up until like five and six o'clock. I would drag myself out of the bed and go to church because there was something in that ritual mm. that got me exposed to church and kept me going back for more. And at the time, it felt like I was under the law. Like how the law was directing me. Like if I don't go to church, I'm going to be in so much trouble. I'm going to let people down. So there was a guilt component to all that. I'm throwing a lot of these things out because that really was my life up to that point. Mm -hmm. Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Am I having a real relationship? Am I on fire? Am I lukewarm? I was all over the place, but I just kind of stuck it out. I'm going to fast forward to adulthood. And now I really started to question Mm-hmm. And I had become a youth director for a church as well. Um, I had a couple of positions of leadership in the church. And so just as aggressively as my professional career was growing, my church career, so to speak, was growing, I started preaching and people would love the sermons and they'd come to me and say, oh my gosh, you're on fire for God and for Christ and all that. And something was missing. I felt like I was being robotic still because I could preach the word. I could pray for people. Um, I I guess for most people, I was like a good person. So I had to be saved, whatever saved meant. Mm -hmm. But for me, I I felt like an imposter. I'm like, I preach, but I don't feel anything. Um, I'm just a good orator. Okay, that that was that. Um, I'm a youth director, so I guess I have to be saved by, by my position, it felt like I kept occupying these spaces where my Christianity and my faith were always on trial by me. Mm-hmm. I, I was always putting myself on trial. And then I'm going to mm. super fast forward to 2018 and my dad died. And that was jarring. And that morning, after I mourned for about like four minutes and went back to sleep, I just went through the motions of trying to well take care of the family because they were they were sick. So you know, running out to the drugstore to get medicine. Mm-hmm. Actually, ran to work to get pick stuff up, and then I ran down to another campus and dropped that stuff off. I told all of his former my dad's former uh, coworkers that mm-hmm. he had passed. So I did that in person. All that happened, and then sped up to the funeral home, helped my family plan the service. And then rinse and repeat. Oh my goodness. And I never stopped. Never stopped. Months happened. Never stopped. Kept on going. And then a year later, I thought I was dying. I remember that. Yeah, I found myself in a car, in my car after I had just left the gym. And I thought I was having a heart attack. And I'm like, man, this is this is it. This is the one. Um, I don't know how this is going to work out. Mm. I called an ambulance. And they they picked me up. I started to black out. Never blacked out, but started to black out. And I got taken to the hospital and, you know, had all the all all the possible things hooked up. And the doctors are like, You're in perfect health. What we don't even know what's going on. And one of the doctors came in and said, Just humor me. Do you have post-traumatic stress? And I look at him, I said, Nah, from what? I haven't been to a war zone. That That's how I associate it. Mm-hmm. And I just ran through a couple of things. And when I got to my dad's death, he said, hold on. He said, that's it. I said, what? He said, you have unreconciled trauma. Mm. I'm like, okay. All right. Let, let's unpack that a little bit. 
So what I thought was a heart attack was just anxiety. And that occupied a season of my life until one day driving to work. I bang a left, you know, I'd stopped at a red light. I, I make a left hand turn to get to work to go down a winding road. There is some presence in the car. Some presence like appeared in the car, something bright. I couldn't, I still to this day can't describe what it was, but there was something in the car with me. And there was not a word, there was not an audible word that was shared. It was like, like you said, something talking to my being, like yeah. soul language. And my exact words were, Christ, if this is what it is, if this is what you're calling me to do, then I, I want it. Mm -hmm. And I arrived. It's like, it was almost instant. Now, when you look back over my life, there are situations that prepared me. You know, my parents intentionally making me go to church, being tempted by every temptation in college, and keeping somewhat of a good faith foundation. On that day, God was like, it's time for you to step into that relationship that you tell everyone that they should have. Yeah. And it was almost like the matrix. Like I downloaded everything and I'm like, that's why you did that. That's why you did this. That's why my dad died when he did. And from that point, most people would say, oh, that's when life got easy. Mm. Life was terrible after that moment. Terrible. Still suffered from anxiety. Um, and then a year later, suffered from a pinched nerve, couldn't walk mm. for two weeks. Um, there was just a lot of pain. Had a month of migraines. Like my, my head was blowing up. And then the stresses of you know being a father and balancing all, all this other stuff and trying to be a good husband and all the pressures of the world. And so in some regards, I know some of you are thinking, well, if that's what a Christian is, I don't think I want any of that. And I don't blame you. Mm, it's a lot. It's a lot to hold on it's to. everything, actually. But what I want to encourage you with is those things were like going to a gym. Those things were testing my faith, refining my faith, perfecting my faith. Uh, scripture talks about Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. Yep. And so that, that implies that we are imperfect. And that perfection process is refining. It's the scraping away of those things that are not beneficial. So for the last three years, now mind you, I'm 40. So for 36, 37 of those years, I'm wrestling with this not good enough mm. identity. Mm -hmm. These last three years, which have been accompanied by the worst pain of my life, I have dug in with my new identity. And now when I feel pain... It's no longer, God, why did you leave me? It's like, God, what can I learn from this that will, will help me in my walk, that will help others in their journey? Pain does not have a hold over me anymore. Anxiety doesn't have hold over me anymore. It still happens, mm -hmm. but it doesn't hold me anymore because now I have a genuine relationship, an authentic relationship. I wrestle with God. I'll ask God, why? Why, why am I going through this? We have very candid conversations. And so just to sum up everything, I spent a majority, an overwhelming majority of my life trying to be, be a Christian, be a person of faith.
But I think in that in that time, I was so focused on being a Christian, mm-hmm. being a title, yeah. being something, be, f- fitting inside of a box. But when God appointed that moment to change my life, I stopped trying to be a Christian. I just wanted to have a relationship with God. And every single day, I want to have a relationship with God. I'm hungry every day to have a relationship with God. And when I make that my focus, everything else just falls into place. And so, yeah, God God flipped the script, changed everything. And now every single day, I, I want to live for God. I want to live for Christ. I want to have that relationship. I still mess up. Yeah. I still mess up. I never get it right. But now I understand that God loves me regardless. And it's because of that love, I want to be better. I want to fight harder to have a solid relationship. I want to tell people about this great God that loved me so much that he allowed those 37 years of me wrestling mm-hmm. to happen. And so that's that's the new identity. The script has been flipped, and here we are today on episode 12 <laughs> talking about it. Oh, praise God, man. This is this has been such a an interesting ride going through, you know, for you 40, right? Mm-hmm. For me, 37. Uh just just as as time has gone by, realizing how little I ever knew, right? How much I wanted to think I knew, how much I wanted to play God. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be in control of my life and other people's uh lives and outcomes. I wanted to figure out how to make things work for me because in a sense, when we really, when we're honest, most of us don't respect the process of other people because we barely respect our own process. So it's something to think about when you're, when you're going through day to day, what are you focused on? If you're focused on other people and you're trying to tell them how to fix their lives, but you haven't taken care Mm -hmm. of your own and the things you're responsible for, you really need to check yourself and and take a step back. Realize that you're correct. You need fixing before you go out and try to fix the rest of the world. This is something, if you haven't watched him, check out Jordan Peterson. Mm. I'm going to plug the man because he speaks such clear, great thought on what it would look like to live in wisdom. He doesn't call it wisdom himself but he encourages people to go out and seek wisdom while we've sought out more information scientifically and math and reading and writing. We we've, we've a lot of times forsaken the curious seeking out of wisdom. And if you don't have wisdom, seek God. He says, Mm -hmm. ask for wisdom. God will grant it. Solomon was the wisest King of his time. And he asked God for that wisdom and God blessed him. God gave him all the wisdom he needed, made him more wise than all the people around at that time. And that is an incredible thought because we serve the same God Mm -hmm. and we can ask the same things. Last thought, what Chris was talking about as far as the trying to always add up to being good enough. You're never going to be good enough in your own strength. Nope. You're never going to you're never going to be him or her as people like to say today. I'm him, I'm him. No, you're nobody. You're really nobody until you find Christ. Right. Otherwise, you're just looking at 
socially driven constructs of labels that try to tell you who you are, but they're actually all rooted in lies. Satan has permeated this culture as he does with every culture. And he gets people to believe that they have an identity that is not even true. The identity that you hold today, if it's not rooted in Christ and in the truth from the scriptures, it's not rooted in anything that's, that's gonna, that's gonna pan out for positivity in your life or, or to become fruitful in your life and for others. Uh, it's, it's something that you really need to take a careful look at and question why am I never fulfilled? How come I keep chasing after all these things I'm promised that are going to have these outcomes if I chase them? This is what I'm told. And I never get what, I, what I'm promised. Or it doesn't last for longer than a very short time. I'm telling you, Jesus. He's the way, truth, and the life. He's the only way to the Father. He is the wellspring of life. He's literally the only space that you can get to that's going to constantly quench your thirst and he never runs dry, which means you have constant access to wetting your whistle. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm. And I think we all love to quench our thirst. Come on, Jesus, the thirst quencher. I was about to say obey your thirst, man. Get that Sprite going. Ooh, ooh, Jesus, he's, he's. By far greater than Sprite. Mm. I'll tell you. Sprite is good too. <laughs> man. Just got a plug for Sprite. Yeah, man. How that? Bro, I'm just going to say, I just remember the dunk commercials, the Sprite dunk commercials where the dude went up to try to dunk it. Yeah. And gives himself a spinal. <laughs> <laughs> he hits the rim and just oh, basically breaks block. backward. My goodness. Sadly, I've done that. And it mm. genuinely hurts. Mm. And that'll flip the script on your ability to try to dunk. Or walk, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> Unexpected. Walk that one off. Yeah. So, can I, can yeah, I drop, yeah, yeah. Wrap to him. Can I drop a nugget real quick? Please, bro. Um, a Denver nugget? Yes. Yeah, or so a gold talk, nugget? We're talking about basketball, Denver nuggets. Here we go. Chicken nuggets, Chick-fil-A real quick. But one of the things before I turn it over to my brother is... We, we've talked about every episode, there's some type of invitation and everyone's journey to find God is different. Yeah. You know, we, you just heard about two of them. Uh, your journey is still forming, just like our journey is still forming. My, my best advice is that the same way you pursue any activity, the same way you get better in sports or in writing or anything lifting, you have to invest. Yes. You have to invest. And so this is just an invitation to invest. The thing about investment is you're not always going to see instant results instantly. Investing is a period of time. We're just inviting you to take some time, however it is that you do, and try to grow closer to God. For, For me, that just starts with prayer. And it doesn't have to be the rehearsed prayers that some of us have prayed, it could simply go, God, I just want to know you. Please show up for me so I can know you. Amen. In fact, you don't even have to say amen. You can just talk to God and say, God, I just want to know you. God will honor that request. But I just want to encourage you, if you don't hear from God the first time, do it again. Yep. Do it tomorrow. Do it next week. 
Make it a habit. God will honor your pursuit. And so just want to give you another tangible takeaway. Uh, this is this is our invitation to to taste and see because yeah. God, God will change your life in ways that nothing else in this universe can change it. So just wanted to throw that plug out there real quick. No, that's fire, man. That's the truth. And I was just, we, uh, my family decided we were going to start uh, not an anti-Halloween holiday, but a holiday to celebrate in place of Halloween. Because uh, it's not something that we believe is beneficial for someone trying to stay in the light. For us, it's our conviction, so we stand with it. The whole theme of our of our holiday, which we call Yummy Yum, is taste and see. <laughs> yummy Yum. Yeah, dog. Yummy mm. Yum. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So the fact that we're talking about this mm. right now is cool in that I, I recalled a story that we talked to my children about. And the story was about going to, for all intents and purposes, Wegmans. We go to Wegmans, but if you go to Wegmans and you've never been there before and you expect to get something specific out of it, but you've never even tested it yet, right. you've done no planning, you've not curiously walked the aisles and figured out where different items are, how are you going to know what you're looking for? And how are you going to know what things taste like if you don't try some things out? That's how we develop contrast. You try different things and you figure out what do you like? Well, the cool thing is, unlike this bag of pretzels versus this bag of pretzels, where they're, they're, one of them might taste good to you and the other one might be straight up garbage, God always tastes good, mm -hmm. except to those who despise his ways and despise the truth. If you hate the truth, God is going to taste horrible to you, straight up. But if you love the truth and you can stand that you can withstand the pain that comes sometimes when dealing with truth, you're going to find that every time you're upset about hearing the truth, it's going to lead you into the best space. Right. And that's where you'll taste and see that the Lord is good. But it takes time and effort and sometimes strategy. And it absolutely takes discipline to stay in that space once you find it. It's not easy. It wasn't meant to be, which is why the path to destruction is broad. Mm -hmm. And the road to God is narrow. narrow. And I'm assuming it's very narrow. So don't play around. Get to thinking. Start, start curiously exploring. Don't just remain a cog in the wheel of this, of this society, of any society. Step out of the machine. Take an honest look at it if you're, if you're able to. And start questioning, what does all this even mean? Was this all just made so that I can... So I can have an aim without ever having to think of what my aim in Christ would be. What is my aim? What does God have for me to do? The body of Christ looks very different than the mechanical body that we're <laughs> formed with because of society. Right. So I'm just challenging you to think about that for a while. See where you land. Like Chris said, reach out to God. Ask, seek, and knock. He's literally standing at the door waiting to open onto you. And he also wants you to be like the, the woman who constantly went to the judge, the parable of the woman and the judge. She keeps going to the judge and pestering him to the point where the judge just has enough and, and turns, turns, turns favorably toward the woman and, and helps her with what she kept pestering him about. We need, to go, we need to go to God in that same way. It says that we need to 
what's what's the term what's the other term for petitioning oh god it's an s word uh supplication thank you prayers and supplication i knew if i gave you a, a letter you'd get it um, there you go. that's my dog wheel of fortune <laughs> so uh <laughs> so this is something really really special for christians that and those who are curious trying to find god start questioning start asking god start pushing in stop accepting things at face value all the time don't even accept this at face value go out of your way to right. test it because you need to test all things in order to find out what things remain true and what things end up falling to be the lies that they started as you want the foundation you have on the truth it's the best place to be it'll always be the best place to be so we're encouraging you to check it out again you know, this is so th so thankful that you take the time to listen to this whether our retention rate is 5 minutes or 50 minutes we're just thankful that even if a few of you are listening throughout the entire video, we hope that the seeds sown take root and God does the amazing work that only God can do in your lives. Again, this is Internal Explosion, the podcast. I'm Benny J. And it's your boy, young cousin, Dirty Dozen, right here in the building. And this is episode 12, Save. Peace out. Peace. Sauerkraut. Yes, sir. <laughs> in a while crocodile <laughs> all right so a little ps postscript for all of you wondering what ps stands for it's postscript and i sure hope i'm right unlike that other time where i said something and had to put it in the comments because oh. i'm a firm believer in clarifications yeah man especially if there's something that we're not sure of some you could say something in the moment but double check when you're done, right? Fact check it. Fact check it. Yeah. So, Chris, we got the testimony. Yep. It's the blessed -imony. Yeah. Got a confess -imony. All right. All right. <laughs> Play checkers or testimony? Oh. Yeah. Should I give it a rest <laughs> Nah, keep it going. How far are you going to go? Uh, one day I'll have an empty nestimony. Praise God. Shoot. Uh, don't mess with incestimony. Oh, never that. <laughs> I'm just going to ad-lib the mess out of you. I like that. Oh, ad-lib ad -lib the mestimony. Truly mestimony. <laughs> um, in all things, you need to caress-timony. Caressimony. Just don't massage the truth. Ooh. Just tell the full truth. Then it will be blessedimony. Ooh. And then there will be less baloney. Ooh. Is it from Lebanon? <laughs> and if it is from Lebanon, is it from overseas Lebanon or are we talking like Lebanon PA? <laughs> um, PA. Amoni. Ooh. P Pennsylvania Stimony. <laughs> Oh, I Do think you, that's the end of this testimony, bro. I don't think we even have to guess Amoni. Like Jean's Amoni? Um, I think this PS Timoni is too long, so we give you all our best Amoni. Peace, Amoni. Ah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>